Morning, everyone. Welcome to the Rangers Reviews. Morning briefing on December the 23rd. We are hours away from Christmas. We're only a couple of minutes late, given the time of year. I think that's uh, fair enough. Thanks to everyone who is joining us, looking ahead to uh, Rangers game against Ross County tonight and looking back at uh, Michael Beale's press conference yesterday, joined by Johnny McFarlane. Just the two of us today, Johnny. Uh, Derek's having a well-earned uh, rest, festive rest from the morning briefing. How are you getting on, firstly? Yeah, good, good. It's a shame not to have uh, the big man on, um, but we'll survive. We've got each other, Josh. Mm. We can huddle up and metaphorically and uh, talk about Rangers, which is no bad thing. You got all your Christmas shopping done? You can see in the background these Christmas Christmas things yeah. there. I'm I'm more or less sorted. Um, yes, I say tentatively, although it gets to that point where you think you've got a few more things to do and you think, oh, I'll just do that you know, the day before and then it gets to the day before and, and you kind of regret it. But um, just just little things to sort, um, almost ready. I'm heading up to Dingwall myself uh, today, so it's going to be a cold one tonight. But uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, especially on that, um, especially on that um, A9. But yeah, let's let's look at the game firstly, Johnny. We'll look back as well at, at Michael Beale's press conference. Obviously, Rangers... Um, coming off the back of two three two wins, I don't think the two of us have, have spoken since the Aberdeen victory. There's been loads of coverage on the website and the YouTube channel um, about that. I think everyone knows it wasn't a brilliant performance. Um, my opinion on it, Johnny, is that while it's not a brilliant performance, I think every team that goes on to become a, a winning team, and obviously that's what Michael Beale hopes his Rangers team will be, has games like that where they don't deserve to win. Um, I just wonder kind of what the potentially the the significance of winning a game late like that is and coming from behind twice when the team haven't um, played well. How do you think the mood will be in the camp going into this game tonight? Because although Beal might not be performance happy yet, if Rangers go and get three points tonight and it's nine out of nine after the kind of difficult circumstances of injury personnel where Rangers have been in, in games in terms of being behind, that'll be a big morale boost going into the game against Motherwell on the 28th. Yeah, huge. And we have to be honest, uh, Josh, and say that there'll be absolutely no one in this chat that's going on to the right of our screens at the moment who would have thought at 92 minutes that Rangers would have won that game. Incredible. They just did not look like turning it around. Uh, I was had to pretty much rewrite an entire instant match uh, rating yeah. and sort of review because it was it was just completely changed by those two goals and uh, you know I think the kind of determination and and uh, and pressure they had to put on to get that result was significant but I would also say that, that it carried more than a touch of luck and uh, I think the, the reaction from Michael Beale has been right and it was telling and I wrote about this in my piece Josh that the only man that wasn't going bonkers when that third goal went in was Michael Beale he stood. Yeah. He still he looked like he'd seen a ghost. Yeah. And I think it was because it was a very, very important win in his reign. And he, he knew that. He knew that, yeah. he, you know, you have to get off to a good start. You have to set standards. And that means wins. And they did that on the back of a very, very poor performance. I don't think there's any other way around it, Josh. Maybe attack-wise, you would say <clears throat> that getting three against Aberdeen was, was decent. But defensively, my God. Uh, well, but I, I think yeah. on that, Johnny, um, I, I agree with that. And I think it was it was really striking when the camera cut to Beal that his bench as well, they were all, they all just looked, you know, angry. And, and I don't know if he's had a quick word when the goals went in. Um, but but 
that certainly carried carried through. Um, as you say, R- Rangers, I thought, for the first half, I think in both games against Hibs and Aberdeen, you've seen what they're trying to do, clear differences. I thought Ryan Kent, we spoke on the spaces at halftime and, uh, and I've really changed my opinion about Ryan Kent, where he should play in the last few games because I think under Bealey's given complete freedom. I think under Gerrard he was to a degree, but he still had to say, uh, stay central at all points. And I think what you've seen under Beal is he's going where the space is, which makes him so dangerous because in the last 15 minutes he's out in the left wing and then he's picking the ball up off the left back and then he's getting the ball off, uh, I think it's Connor Goldson for the equaliser and suddenly he's 1v1 against someone in the middle of the park. He can go either way and, and generate a pretty good uh, shooting opportunity, which obviously leads to the goal. And, and Rangers, although they didn't, I mean, they weren't in and around the box much until the last 15 minutes watching the game watching the game back. I was surprised at how late it was before they really started to kind of rack up any pressure in and around the penalty box. Um, but what impressed me about it was that there wasn't as much of a, a flinging in of, of crosses as maybe would be expected. Um, there was only a few shots attempted from outside the area, and I think from pretty reasonable uh, angles, certainly the, the Kent one. Um, and the substitutions uh, worked well, but but for me, Johnny, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on the kind of the Arfield debate. This is what Arfield was was signed on in the summer to do for me. You know, he's thirty four years old. I think everyone can see he's not got the legs that he did when he came into the club. Even though he's obviously still uh, keeps himself in top condition to, to be playing at the age he does. But this is what he was doing at the start of the season. He was coming on into games either when um, they needed a lift at home. I think of I think it was a Kilmarnock winner, uh, no, the four 0 win against St Johnson at home earlier in the season, or away from home, the Livingston game, for example, at the start of the season, the old uh, firm semi final in, in uh, Hamden and whatever it was, April in the Scottish Cup. That's what Arfield was was brought in to do. Um, he doesn't have to necessarily pro- progress the ball or, or sit deep there. He can just be in and around and, and make those runs, as was the case against Livingston in the opening day of the season. So when people say he should start, and I think he will because of where the, the squad is at the moment tonight, um, I think long-term, it's not about necessarily getting him into the start in 11. It's about how you use your squad. And, and Beal was able to change the game because he had someone like Arfield to bring on. He had four shots. We've got a kind of analysis on the site about it. But also by keeping Malik Tillman on the pitch, that third goal doesn't happen if Tillman can't outplay two players, just as the third goal doesn't happen against Hibs if Tillman doesn't show that ability with his quick feet um, for, for the third goal. So what do you think on that debate about Arfield coming back in? Because for me, it's not necessarily, it doesn't show that the manager got his team selection wrong, but I think what it shows is, He's used his subs right, which is such a big thing in modern football when you've you know got five occasions to change the game. Yeah, I, he did change the game with substitutions. There's no doubt about it, Josh. He changed the shape, um, and, and quite often mm-hmm. when you when you do that and you um, throw on so many players, four players coming on, the, the team can just lose any kind of semblance of structure, and it can just look a bit of a mess. I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, there was times in the Walter Smith era, the second time around, when he would throw on all his attack in Arsenal. Now, a good example would be the 2008 Europa League final. Yeah. Um, and it was literally like, let's get as many attacking players up the pitch as we can and just throw them up there and hopefully yeah. it'll work out. Um, you know, it was like Boyd, Novo. I just remember like basically every attacking player was on the pitch and it was... It was uh, the shape had gone a little bit, but it was obviously desperately trying to get that, that equaliser. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't feel what what happened the other night. Rangers maintained a decent level of structure in the way that they were attacking Aberdeen, but kept all, a, a lot of attacking threat. I thought Tillman was excellent in the game. Again, Josh, 
Yeah. He um he wasn't fully involved all the way through. It wasn't a nine out of ten performance or an eight out of ten performance, but he had moments and those moments counted. And uh he the, the ability to free him up um, was another example of uh, what Beale was able to do. Scott Arfield, yeah. you know what you're gonna get, Josh. Yeah. 34, 35, 36, Scott Arfield's for the next few years, is still going to be able to score goals at this level. I have no doubt about it. There's an argument about Scott Arfield's what you need when you're going into the Champions League at 34. Yeah. But Scottish Premiership level, you know, if he was to go to an Aberdeen, he'd still be a very good player, I, I, I think, you know. So he's one that's, I think, having a really good season and, mm -hmm. and really showing that it was the right decision to give him an extra <clears throat> An extra year. What's that? How many goals is that now? Is it four or five or something like that? Well, he's got he's got the fourth highest expected goals after the, the three strikers um, yeah. for ninety. Obviously, that's impacted by two goals in what, half an hour. But but it, you know, he's not doesn't lie. Like, you know, he's yeah. in terms yeah. of from the start. So and I think he's doing very very well. But Johnny, just can, can I just make up Arfield's? Yeah, Josh, just on your, on your on your point about Arfield, just to to. Uh, pick up what you said. It, it, you you sum it up perfectly. Scott Arfield to me is not the midfielder that you want starting necessarily in the Champions League when the task is about you know progressing the ball and, and Rangers. I think everyone's seen in the last couple of games. Rangers need a deep line midfielder of some description to come in, especially with Stephen Davis obviously missing the game uh, and we know that he was sent for a scan. I don't think we heard anything about that uh, yesterday. Could be wrong. Um, Scott Arfield, I, I think he's perfect for these types of games. The, the issue is when you see him playing three games in a row, as as was the case last season, I think just before he got injured. Remember the 1-0 win against St. Johnson where he just looked absolutely um, exhausted. So for me, it's, it's the, the right use of him. And, and, and on your uh, topic of attacking options, I think it's the right balance because that first goal, I realise we're summing up the Aberdeen game, but it was only about 20 minutes ago anyway. Um, that first goal from Zakala is a perfect Zakala goal because it's scrappy, other people probably don't score it. And you just think, well, again, not dissimilar to the Hibs goal where it's not a it's not a beautiful kind of individual goal, but Sakala's going to get you those numbers if he's in the team. And it's yeah. balancing the goal threat in the front line um, with the players to, to get the ball there. And, and I think that's what you've seen early on, especially even when you've not got Rufin and, and Cholak in that area. Um, do, do you think he, he starts again tonight for me, Johnny? Because... I think it's what everyone's been saying for kind of a year and a half. If you can fit him into your team and get him close to goal in a number of these Scottish Premiership games, he will score you goals. Again, he's probably not the player you want in the Champions League or the player you want up at the highest level, but I think something that's hamstrung Rangers in recent seasons is just not being able to score enough goals domestically and, and, and beat teams that they should be beating. And I think using Sakala and Arfield like that against Aberdeen was a perfect example of how you can use this squad to do that. Yeah, I think Fashion Sakala has shown in the last two games, if you play him as a number nine, he's going to get goals and assists. Yeah. He's rough and <laughs> he's rough. There's no doubt about it, Josh. He is not a silky football player, but he's capable of nice moments, but he's also capable of moments that would drive you mad. There was, I think, in the, I, I actually took it down, 26th minute. Yeah. You know, so it was not long after he scored his goal, and he must have been full of confidence. He came and tried to trap the ball in the middle of the pitch, and yeah. the ball just rolled away from his foot. Yeah. And he just thought it was just such a simple bit of play. And then, of course, he loses the ball in the in the run up to the the free kick that that, that Aberdeen get the equaliser. It was a sort of silly position, mm -hmm. and you're thinking to yourself, ah, he's a difficult player, isn't he? He's a frustrating player. But 
fact is, he gets the numbers. He racks them up. Yeah. And Rangers need players to get numbers in this league. It's as simple as that. Do I think Fashion Sakala will be in the long, long-term plans of Michael Beale? As in, like, if he's thinking about a five-year plan, I'd, I'd be surprised because yeah. he is a bit up and down. But at the moment, the way Rangers squad is set up, I think if you're going with a two-fashion Sakala, it's going to be probably very, very heavily involved going forward. And I think especially against lower lights in the league. Uh, Aberdeen are obviously not lower lights, but... Yeah. No, is, it, what Dave's saying about here, about the pace, does it though? Does it right? I'm, I'm going to just I'm going to play devil's advocate. Okay. I don't think he has a lot of pace to run into. I don't think you very often see Fashion Sakala use his pace. Um, he's not the best at actually utilising his number one asset. Sakala's actually better as a sort of kind of he's almost better at the target man element of the game than he is the getting in behind. You know, he's he's good at. Link up um, in terms of making the movements for link up. I, th- I think the actual technical aspects of it are a little bit more ropey. But he's not the guy that's kind of looking to run in behind with clever runs all the time, like Jermaine Defoe. Which is what, if you could get that into him, that'd be a game changer for this game. But yeah. it's a very, very strange combination of different is aspects of the striking of the striker's game. But if you look at what what I think where you, you see him do use his pace in the same way that when he's played on the right wing. The St Mirren 4-0 game was a great, uh, it was a 4-0 or 4-1, whatever it was. A great example for me a couple of months ago. It was, a, I think it was his first appearance at the start of the season off the right wing. Um, and he's just so quick over those first few yards and so powerful that you can't, that's why he's good isolated 1v1 because he's so hard to kind of keep up with in that initial burst, that initial acceleration. That, that I don't think, even someone like Ryan Kent, I don't think he has that power over the first few yards where... He's obviously much more skillful than Sakala, but can he just get the ball, pick it up and, and hit it and go as, as much? I, I don't think so because no. he's not got that pure power. So Sakala against Tibbs, I think, is a great example where you isolate him in that area of the pitch and it's hard to defend him there because you've got three men on, on his uh, the right side where he would preferably shoot, but he just shifts it to the left. And actually, if you watch that goal back, he ends up nutmegging the two hips defenders, I think, as they're stretching for the ball just because he's so quick at getting the ball out of his feet and, and shooting. So... You're right. He has a role, Johnny, but he's definitely a kind of a hard player to. He'd be a hard player to write a scout report about. Uh, I think that's fair to say. And, and just finally on that game, Malik Tillman. Um, totally agree with you. I, I, I tweeted after the the goal. I think that's why I keep him on the pitch because he can produce these big moments. Yeah. Um, I was speaking to a friend of the show, uh, Ali Bain, about that goal. Who's who's been on the podcast uh, before? He's written some excellent pieces for us. He's a coach out in America and he said to me that's an, an, uh, an elite piece of skill to be able to do that keep the ball in that tight area hold off two players and dig out a cross and I know the cross it's not headed in the cross um, but that's where he's at his best for me Tillman where it's he's a high in, quality ball that that's a really, yeah, really dangerous ball I, and, and it's similar to that assist against Hibs I don't think many players in the squad retain the composure to not only get into the final third, but not just lash it across the face of goal. And it's and it's the quality difference that I think if Beal can keep harnessing that, yes, there's areas of his game that will frustrate. And yes, he'll drift in and out of games. But to repeat the old argument, we keep repeating, Johnny, I mean, how much more impact do you expect from a player who's 20 in his first professional season, et cetera, yeah. et cetera? If you look at those two last games, I don't think Rangers turn it around without Tillman's 
no. kind of ability in the final third. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, Tillman is looking like he's going to be an, an excellent signing. <clears throat> Again, it just kind of goes to underline if you, if you give players a little bit of time, if you give them the right structure, they can turn out to be good. You know, so I yeah. think we're very, very uh, impatient here in Glasgow. I think it applies to both of the big clubs. You're labelled a dud if, uh, if you don't perform. I remember um, looking across the city, for example, I remember Virgil van Dijk came in for Celtic, had one bad game and was getting pelters uh, immediately. And we know he's gone on to be one of the best defenders in the world. There's numerous Rangers players who have had similar experiences. I remember Borna Barisic going through a really, yeah. really tough period when he first arrived at Ibrox. Uh, John Lundstrom's another one in recent years. Mark Haitley, for those older Bears, um, really, really took his time to get up to speed with Scottish football. Had to kind of reshape his body, add a few, I think it was two stone he added um, in terms of muscle mass, just to give him the, the robust power to deal with Scottish football defenders and, and being thrown about a bit. Um, and it wasn't long before Mark Haitley was thrown defenders about a bit. And uh, that completely changed everything for him. So, Malik Tillman is just another player who had a good start. There's no doubt about that. But then he kind of petered off. I, I've been quite critical of him about his, his defensive side of his game. But that's not what he's about. Uh, that, yeah. that, that's obvious. You know, his defensive side. It's like complaining about putting Messi in, in, into a low block and complaining that he's not doing, you know, the, the defensive side of the game. You're not going to get that from 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 Messi. Um, not not that I'm comparing Messi to Tillman, obviously, but you know what I mean in terms of, a, of an attacking player who's who's extremely high quality. Not every yeah. attacking player is a natural when it comes to the dirty side of the game. Yeah, I'm ruling Tillman is. Yeah, and I think it will suit him more playing in that narrow shape. I mean, the piece uh, you can read on the the website from the from the game, the analysis piece kind of focuses on. What Beal's spoken about a lot, which is defending transitions, going back to his first Hibs press conference, he said if you're a possession-based team, you need to... If you're a possession-based team, you have 60-70% of the ball, but you're done all the time in transitions and set pieces, then there's almost no point because the, the opposing team will be happy to allow you to have the ball if they know that they can counter well and, and dominate you at set pieces. Um, there was just quite a few occasions in that first half where Aberdeen managed to get up the pitch. And, and I think it's a great example of how the team will still be adjusting to Beal's method of press. And there was one moment in particular where Morel has kept the ball in the pitch and Scales goes forward with the ball. The, the front three isn't quick enough to get back across. Jack has to go across. And then when you're playing a high line, <clears throat> if you can play a pass over the top of that, similar to Liverpool is the obvious example at an elite level. If you don't have pressure on the ball at the front, then you just have a lot of space to play um, a pass into. So that's definitely, I think, the area that um, Beal will be working on improving when he does have time um, on the training pitch. The big uh, topic of conversation in the comments, Johnny, will not be surprised to know is Alex Lowry, a good friend of the show, CGM55, saying, where does Lowry fit into the team? It won't get any easier for him when Lawrence comes back. I'm just going to read out what Michael Beal said um, at the press conference on Alex Lowry yesterday, Johnny, just for a bit of context. And um, when he was asked about him, he said, uh, where is he in the pecking order? Uh, Beal said he's close. I think there's areas of his game where he's outstanding as a young player and areas of, of his game I'd like to see him improve. Um, when he goes into the team, I expect him to stay in the team long-term and be one of the leaders. I think he's not far away. What he must do is that his teammates must pick him. 
when he comes to see me, as he will from time to time, and says, Gaffer, when am I going to get a chance? Well, would your teammates pick you? That's a big thing for a young player. They train every day and they have to earn the right for their teammates as well. And I think at the moment he's really headed in the right direction. Um, as time passes and the group settles, you'll see more of Alex Lowry, but only if he deserves it. And the place that he's got to deserve it is every day at training. And Beal also went on to say um, that if there's one area he's really experienced in, it's working with young players and developing young players, which obviously is completely spot on. That's a pretty clear message for me, Johnny, that that, that Beal's speaking about there. And, and what it is, is effectively what he said. He needs to earn that place in, in training. Am I reading too much into it or is that what you take well, as well from that comment? Listen, you're spot on, mate. This is uh, going back 35 years of me watching Rangers, and it's a simple fact. Young players are not given a Rangers jersey. They have to take it. That has always been the way. And Rangers have carved out a spot for Alex Lowry in this squad. But he can't just be given the opportunity. He has to grasp it with his hands and tear it from someone else. That's the only way. It's kill or be killed in football, and you have to have that mentality. Look at, for example, Nathan Patterson, right? He's got James Tavernier, the club captain, in front of him. That is the most difficult opportunity of getting in the first team imaginable, especially when Tavernier is effectively a bit of a machine when it comes to fitness, regularity of performance, the ability to play to a high level consistency of consistency. Mm -hmm. What happened? Patterson was able to play so well when he did come in that he was brought in more, more and more. Whenever Tavernier was injured, Patterson was in performing really, really well. And off the back of that, he was able to get himself a huge move to the Premier League. Now, that is a situation where a young player has the best player at the club or one of the best players at the club and the captain in front of him. He had to take it. He had to prove it every single time he was in the team. This is as too big a club for, let's give him a chance for three or four games. You're just not going to get that. You have to come in, oven ready, and perform. Right, Johnny, I'm gonna. I want to make a counterpoint to you here, okay? Because I can. I can just feel the Twitter comments um, that I seen the day after the game. I completely agree with you, and I think that's what the the point the Beals making. You have to earn it. Yes, he's saying that. Would your teammates pick him? But then people will say in response, well, why is Scott Wright, someone who has had lots of opportunities, yeah. coming into to playing the game um, against Aberdeen, coming on as a substitute when Lowry could maybe play those minutes? Is that just position specific? I, I think so, mate. I don't think yeah. Alex Lowry's the right winger. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think Alex Lowry's at his best when he's going through the middle. I, I, yeah. I would, in, in, in terms of Beale's style, you're probably looking at him challenging Tillman for that role. Now, it could be adapted to for, for him to play in a sort of right. Uh, I don't even know how you would how would you describe that role anymore, yeah. Josh. <clears throat> well, I think it's uh, I think it's actually it's, it's an interesting point because um, what that last twenty minutes to me showed is people were you know Kent went wide left at points and right uh, wide right, and although that necessarily didn't work for me, this is one of the most encouraging things um, from Michael Beale's first couple of games in charge, and it goes back to what we were saying when he was appointed. Um, I remember one of the pieces we wrote had a headline and it was something along the lines of Michael Beale's biggest challenge isn't experience, but something like proving he's a future. And for me, Beale's been in a lot of these first team environments. He's We know how much responsibility he had at Aston Villa and Rangers and QPR. It's not as if this is the first time he's come in and, and taken training at first team level, far from it. I think the challenge for him was, can he show enough of a difference from Gerrard 
um, and kind of revitalise it and be the leader and, and not always be compared to the past. And I think from a, a talking point of view, he's done that so far. But what's interesting to me is that he said in a recent press conference the unpredictability should come from the freedom that these attacking players have. And if you watch these game uh, games back or read any of our analysis pieces, you'll see it at points where Morels is sometimes picking the ball out uh, up on the right wing and sometimes he's right in the centre. Sakala sometimes left wing, right in the centre. Uh, Ken, as we just discussed for the goal, he's hanging out in the left wing uh, by the touchline and then he's coming in to get the ball off of Connor Goldson. Um, and for me, that is a real positive because... It, it just doesn't, um, it makes it difficult for the opposition. If, if you're a left-back and at some point you're having to defend crosses and then you're having to defend a 1v1, it doesn't allow you, I, I don't think, to be as maybe methodical as it was under Gerrard at points where you always knew that even when Rangers are chasing the game, they're, they're not going to change their shape or there's going to be not as much um, variation. And that's why I think Lowry, although I agree with your point on Scott Wright, Lowry isn't a right-winger. Um, I... I I do think what's the value? Maybe it is just protecting the lead, and maybe it is just the fact that Lowry is not as maybe defensively uh, going to give you as much as, as Scott Wright does. But when he does come into that team next to Kent and Tillman, and the three of them kind of have flexibility within uh, that system, that's really difficult for opposition managers to plan for. I think because you don't know exactly where they're going to be picking up the ball. Whereas under Van Bronckhorst with Kent, you always knew he was going to be wide left, and I think under Gerrard you knew roughly okay there's going to be a bit of freedom with the two number tens, but we know more or less what the structure is going to be and the fullbacks are always going to be wide and um i, I know that's a bit maybe a bit of a boring topic for some people but i think that's just quite an interesting thing that you might see develop under Beal over the next few months yeah it's really difficult for alex Lowry to get in this team mm. but that's yeah. what it should be it should be like yeah. that for any young player coming in they, they, they can't have it easy at a club like rangers they wouldn't have it easy at a club like liverpool or manchester united and rangers have to be the same size in the context of the Scottish Premiership. That's that's just the way it is. And uh, when you look at the squad now, Josh, I've always felt this. The Rangers squad didn't really, it wasn't really well set up for Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's style of play because it absolutely needed four or five number eights that could go box to box that were very physical. Yeah. But this squad is much more suited, I think, to how Michael Beale probably wants to play in terms of the number of strikers that, that are in there, the amount of tens that are in there, um, and just the, the the technical quality that's that's peppered throughout. You don't get to a Europa League final if you don't have that in the team, and 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 it's there. Yeah. And once these players get back from injury, I'm very optimistic. And Beale has been saying that over and over again about. You know, once we clear the decks, this is an incredible injury situation. Um, then it will be looking different, and I, I, I do agree with that. But, but yeah. for me, if Lowry, I don't know what what you think about this. I mean, I, I totally get the Twitter what you're saying about the Twitterati and all that about Scott Wright and, and, and Alex Lowry. And of course, personally, I think Alex Lowry to me looks like he's going to be a a better player than, than Scott Wright. Obviously. Um, but I think Lowry kind of needs to be played in the position that he's capable of producing his best form in. And I'm not sure like a subs I'm not sure a substitute appearance late in a game is that big a deal in the grand scheme of things, you know what I mean? He's, he's chosen Scott Wright for a tactical reason. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to get my to... on a twist about that, you know? Yeah, and 
you know, Rangers maybe won't play with wingers on the Beal, but I guess again it gives that um gives that variation. Lowry probably much more comfortable coming off the left wing. Um, we've got a, a piece on him which is in the tactics section of the website, which you can read just looking at some of his recent uh, performances for the Scotland of the 21s and whatnot. But I, I think to kind of sum up the Lowry debate, he's obviously going to have a future at Rangers um, oh, yeah. and he's obviously going to play under Beal. And I think he's probably got the best possible manager in Beal because he knows Beal, obviously, is, is kind of heritage and background is in youth development. Um it's just a, a matter of time when, when he throws them in. And I guess that leads us on, Johnny, to the game tonight um, away at Ross just County. Before we do, can I just say one more thing yeah, on Scott Wright? Go for it. I think if um, Ryan Kent's going to play in that position, I've always considered Scott Wright like a, a, an almost like a baby Kent. Baby you know, he's Kent. nowhere near as good as Ryan Kent, but he's got a lot yeah. of similar, similar elements to his game. He's very good at driving with the ball, good close control, can drift past players. And I think if you've got Ryan Kent playing in that position, Scott Wright's not a bad backup if you want somebody to have a similar sort of skill set. Dialed down, obviously, but he can certainly mm. run with the ball. He can certainly commit players. He's not developed the way I think anyone would have hoped. He's not really moved on in his game. Um, but I don't think you should throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to Scott Wright. I, don't, I think he's a decent squad player to have around. Rangers have always had these players that that, are, that can come in for ten to twenty games a season. Scottish guys that, that fill the quota for Europe um, that aren't necessarily going to be the first name on the, the team sheet, but can provide you something over the course of a season. I think Scott Wright's one of them. I, yeah. I don't have a problem with Scott Wright. I think sometimes the criticism's a little OTT. He was two hundred grand or something like that from Aberdeen. I think it's been a decent sign in that, and and you know. We're talking about a guy who's, I think, is capable of playing in a number of positions across the front three, um, and uh, I don't, I, I don't think it is a disaster or anything like that. So I think we should be careful about um, being too negative about Scott Wright. Yeah, great comment from Scott here saying, "Are we all back on the Tillman train?" Yeah, Scott never left, mate. I'm sure you didn't either, but um, yeah, it's good to see him getting some some praise. Um, I'd like to see him play alongside Alex Lowry and uh, with uh, Ryan Kent as well and behind the striker. I don't know how that works if Beal plays two forwards, but um, there's a lot of a lot of exciting players in there. Um, leads us on to tonight, Johnny, the game against Ross County, seven thirty up in Dingwall. Be another. Difficult game. I remember the the game earlier in the season where Rangers drew three all. Um, certain Ahmad Diallo uh, was was playing. Rangers conceded a late goal, and that was kind of a key weekend in the title race. I think Celtic won late against Dundee United that uh, that day. Rangers conceded from a corner, um, showing some uh, some weaknesses from that area, which kind of was a bit of an Achilles heel throughout the season. Michael Beale, interestingly enough, said there'd be five changes, which. Correct me if I'm wrong, but managers don't normally tell you how many changes there's going to be, which is an interesting um, little extra. Yeah. Um, who's it going to be? I'm going to I'm going to put you on the spot. Who Who do you think is going to drop out? Um, is there any players off the top of your head that that are going to come in? For me, I, I think Scott Arfield probably does because of he scores those um, two goals. I think Ben Davies comes in uh, to the back line absolutely alongside Connor Goldson. Um, we know that Cholak and Roof aren't going to be available for the game. I think Cholak was initially supposed to be. Um, so I think the third might be John Lundstrom. You're then maybe looking at an attacking player. Maybe it could be uh, an opportunity for Alex Lowry in there. Anyone else off the top of your head, Johnny, that I've missed that you think might be in the starting 11 tonight? No, I think it's uh, it's interesting. He said he said five, but then he, he caveated it to Sky and he said four or five. Right, okay. So 
it'll be interesting to see exactly what he does. It's very unusual for a manager to be so upfront about what he's going to do. Well, do you remember when Kashinia told the whole team? Was it? Did he not tell the whole team the day before a game away at Kilmarnock? Or, yeah. or was it the whole team? Or it was certainly a good. I remember David Bates played that game, and I remember I think it was nil nil maybe or one one. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember that. You're yeah. you're asking you're asking me to remember uh, six. What? How many years ago is that now? Five years ago? I don't know. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, it's yeah. better. It's better we forget. It's better we forget. It probably is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do. I do remember Pedro named the team prior, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, I don't, we're not got, got to that stage. But Michael Beale certainly been good value for information to the fans and great value for us in the media, um, and giving us plenty to talk about and plenty of information about the club. Whereas before, there wasn't an awful lot coming out about injuries. I think we now know where everyone's at and roughly yeah. when everyone's due back. Yeah, um, which is a complete turnaround and and yeah, the kind of position of the club. But before they just didn't want to put a timescale on anything. Well, Barry um, says here, Johnny. As much as I love listening to Beal, does he maybe give out too much information sometimes? Because I, I agree. I think fans want uh, honesty and they want to know when yeah. players are, are going to be back. And I, and I think um, Beal understands that. But is there also a risk that sometimes you say too much, or, or, or do you think Beal he knows exactly what he's doing and that's just his personality? So. My reading of it is that Michael Beale is very firm on his understanding of Scottish football, which is that if we are at it, we don't need to really worry about anything yeah. else. Now, I'm not saying that Michael Beale won't be prepared for the other teams. Of course he will be. But Giovanni Van Bronckers, we know, was very reactive to the opposition and, and looking to stifle the opposition and ensure that the opposition's strengths and weaknesses were managed. I think Michael Beale learned over his period in Scotland of three and a half years about how this league works, and he, he feels like he, he really does know that. Yeah. And I don't think he's so keen on kind of changing and adapting and switching things up for a Kilmarnock or a Ross County. So maybe from Michael Beale's point of view, he is really, really trying to get that mentality back into them of we're not worrying about holding anything back or... or, 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 or or playing mind games with, with with teams that have got one tenth of the resources that we do, um, we're just going to be open and upfront and 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 focus on the performance levels. Um, I think um, he's doing a great job in terms of getting the information out, but I mm-hmm. suspect in a year's time, Michael Beale will not be as vocal as he has been uh, in these early chapters of his career, because. He's riding the crest of a wave at the moment. Things are going well. Two wins. I think the fans have been very impressed with him. I've been very impressed with him as a as a as a, as a leader. Mm. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He communicates really, really well. He's been um, a breath of fresh air. Uh, you know, I'm on record as having said that I, th- I found Giovanni Van Bronckhorst a lovely guy, a lovely guy to deal with. I think he's a good coach. Um, but in terms of as a communicator, I think Beal's on a completely different level yeah. to, to Van Bronckhorst. And a part of that will be because it, it's Gio's second language, English. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but Michael Beal's been very positive. I, th- I think the fans will watch those press conferences and not only be engaged, because I know a lot of fans felt disengaged by Gio and the pressers, um, but they'll feel like they've been informed and they know what's going on at the club. So I think that's an important aspect of it, Josh, but yeah. There's always a balance at Rangers because you're holding the tiger by the tail. You know, this club is a difficult, difficult club to manage. Things can turn 
very, very quickly. And things when they go well can make you feel like you're on top of the world. And um, at the moment, I think he's getting it right. But there will be a come a time when, when adversity strikes and he'll have to take a different approach, I think. And if he doesn't, mm. you'll, you'll, you'll feel the pain of it. I'll give you a, a good example. The other day, you know, when he talked about, he was asked about Malik Tillman. I actually yeah. asked about Malik Tillman and he gave me quite a, a short answer. He was, he, was ex, he was asked to expand on it by, by someone else. And he gave the line about, I don't want to pick him up. Yeah. But yeah. he reminds me a bit of Michael Balak. Now, you know and I know what he's doing there. Mm-hmm. He, he's not trying to give that headline. But that is the I just You just look at I just turn around and look at you and you know, you know and I know that that's the headline. Yeah. But that kind of um, that kind of comment, I think, in Scotland, because you know we're a wee we're a wee country, but we've got a big media with a lot of focus on Rangers and Celtic, and every every comment you make is going to be blown up. And uh, I'm sure he's already seen that based around these comments that uh, um, that Connor Goldson made. Uh, you know, I think he was talking in context of. The dressing room and confidence yeah. in the dressing room, and it's, it's repackaged to be having a pop at Geo, which is, you could you can argue that that's what he's saying. Um, I don't think uh, you could do so with any real conviction, but but it's not inaccurate. Um, and uh, and and you've also seen the whole drama that was created around the 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 other team comments, which again was was something and nothing. So these are two examples already. Yeah. Of where something's been blown up, um, you know, and he's got to be careful about that because there'll be times when he's not happy to have that kind of noise around him. Yeah. I, I get the impression at the moment he's riding a crest of a wage and he doesn't care about any of that. But also, I think Johnny that you know, Gerard's team and Gerard was at a different stage of his management career. Yeah, but something that I think hampered him a lot was, in a way, the emotion, and that had a lot of benefits. But hypothetically, if that's Gerard's second game in charge up at Aberdeen and they come back from to win 3-2, I don't think he's... I, I, I think he'd put a bit more into the celebration. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing either way. I just think it's an interesting point that you've seen the, uh, this with Van Bronckhorst as well. I don't think Gerard's team were very good at recovering in games. And I think sometimes in, uh, a team reflects their manager and Gerard was... Um, I think he wore his heart on his sleeve. And obviously, yes. that was a huge... A benefit for him. Again, that's not a criticism. You look at what he was able to do because of that, um, and there is a risk of reading too much into these things. But for example, that old firm semi-final and um, coming back to, to win that after all the cup um, failure that Rangers had had at Hamden before that. Back then, I remember saying, "Well, would this team have recovered under Gerrard?" And I wonder with Beal if he's just trying to get that balance as well with the team of 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 not being too high and not being too low. And, and that's something that Gerard spoke about as well and, and, and kind of um, acknowledged, because I agree with you. He, he does he does say a lot and there's loads of talking points, but I think it's very deliberate. And, you know, Beal, having not had a playing career, he's in this position for a reason. And as well as all the coaching and tactical expertise, I think that is because obviously he's very good at dealing with people on a, a player basis, which is why he's been a good coach. Yeah. Um, but you'll he'll, he'll know what he's doing as well. J- just before we, we close, Johnny, because it is a slightly longer show, our, our last one actually before Christmas, given this is a Friday, so um, yeah. fair enough. What, what do you think is the most important thing that people will be looking for um, from the Aberdeen game to the Ross County game? Now, they won't have had any time on the training pitch. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll have obviously reflected on the game and looked ahead to it. For, for me, it's 
um, protecting against those transitions, being a bit stronger behind the ball and, and their off-ball shape, which is, for me, almost as important as what you do on the ball these days, um, being really sound. What, what do you think Beal will be wanting to see, again, with the context of three games, two games in three days, um, and obviously the two longest trips in Scottish football, as he said the other day? Well, first and foremost, three points without sounding like a you know a broken record on these issues. Uh, fundamentally, he just needs to go to Ross County. It's a difficult place to go and get the and get the three points. I don't know what the weather's going to be like up there tonight, Josh. Have you got any idea how cold? Four it's going degree, to be? four degrees. I think. Although we had a comment earlier from uh, CGM fifty five, if I can find who's saying who I presume is up that neck. They were saying it's actually quite mild. So okay, that's um, good. I'm I'm back home in Pilocra and it's not too cold, so we'll, we'll see. Certainly not as cold as it was against Hibs, probably. I think for for Beal, uh, you know, he's right about the performance happy thing, and that's a, that's a, a culture that needs to be set going forward. But I would also say, given the injury situation, given the fact that it's two really really long trips, given the time of year, I think he would just want to get up there get a win and get back down the road. I don't think it'll be about playing silky football and uh, and, and and making him performance happy. But if he gets that, I think he'll be delighted. You, I think uh, Positive Vibe is absolutely spot on there. You know, Malky Mackay has, has got uh, a good record of recruitment at Ross County. They're struggling a wee bit this season compared to what they did last year. But the problem you've got up there in Dingwall is that whenever you put a team together the following season, you're going to have to do it all over again. So I don't think the team this year is quite as good as the one they had last year. But you know what you're going to get with the Malcolm McKay team. It's going to be very drilled, it's going to be organised, and it's going to be difficult to beat and a threat at set plays. Yeah. And that's one area that Rangers have to be very, very careful on because we know they've struggled. Now, totally different yes. ball game, and you've got Connor Goldson and, and uh, Ben Davies in there, hopefully. So we'll see how that pans out. But I think Rangers will, will, will win the game comfortably. I think a 3-1... Uh, victory, we'll see them through, and it'll be going into a, a, a few days off before the, the game yeah. next week. Um, yeah. Feeling kind of confident about what they've achieved on the deal so far. Yeah, and, and Johnny, 23rd of December, two days till Christmas, we won't be back until... Boxing we're back day. tonight. We'll be back tonight. Back tonight, back tonight. But for viewers of the morning briefing, a very happy Christmas from all of us, and on behalf of Derek, um, Etc. Etc. Yes, the Ginger Ninja says Merry Christmas. Yeah, and uh, myself and Josh uh, want to thank you all for um, sticking with us over the course of the year. We just hit four million views um, on on the YouTube channel alone, which is pretty phenomenal. Given we've only been going for eighteen months, so thank you all for for sticking around. If you don't, if you're listening to me babble on and you don't subscribe, in terms of the free subscription that's available on YouTube. That's a big help in keeping us uh, ticking along. So hit that subscribe button. And if you want to go and uh, grab a subscription to the website, you can do that at www.ragersreview.co.uk forward slash subscribe. It's £1 for two months at the moment. Or you can get an annual subscription, which I think has got a deal on at the moment as well. So thank you yep. all. Yes, agree. Yeah, thanks very much. Do take us up on that offer of the Christmas subscription. As Johnny says, we'll be back tonight speaking about Rangers as they head up to Dingwall looking to take three points back down the road. Until then, uh, have a good day and we'll speak to you later.